0: All these silos. We used to have these silos. And sorry about the meeting reminder there. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make the outtakes.
1: <laughs> hey, we're back again. The Cloud Whispers. And as we always do, we're going to ask where we've been. Before that, though, I'm going to tell you where we currently are. Where and we that are. is on iTunes. We are on iTunes. So go out to iTunes, search for The Cloud Whisperers, subscribe to our podcast, give us some feedback, rate it. A review it would be awesome because yeah. then other people can find The Cloud Whisperers goodness just like you found it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the
0: goodness of the Cloud Whisperers. You know,
1: and in fact, we're still waiting on our first review. I feel bad about reviewing the podcast myself,
0: right? <laughs> you want to be the first So one to to I
1: don't want to be the first person to review the podcast. So I think that whoever that first reviewer
0: is, we might have to do something special for them. So how many stars would you give us, David? Uh,
1: we're allowed to give one to five.
0: So <laughs> I would give seven stars <laughs> seven. for this particular <laughs> podcast.
1: All right. So, so, Brian, now into the meat of the podcast. What
0: have you been up to lately? Yeah. So, I've been looking at third-party migration tools. Oh, uh, that's scintillating. Scintillating. I, I'm excited. Just sitting Yeah. Here. You know, honestly, I, it, it sounds like a very boring conversation, but I'm trying to save myself some time. I'm trying to save some pain because I just went through a cross-tenant migration. I've been telling yeah. you about this, yeah. cross uh, one tenant to another. And it's a lot of manual PowerShell. It's a lot of manual steps. Think about moving a domain from one Office 365 tenant to another. You're breaking authentication. You're breaking mail flow. You're breaking all these other things. So we have to have these other pieces, these other components to that migration solution Mm -hmm. to make something like that work. We have to queue mail somewhere while we're making that shift.
1: Normally when doing a migration, we hybridize, the on-premise to the cloud, and then we flip the switch and move people over. So I'm wondering if it might be easier for us to hybridize the tenant and move them from the cloud to on-premise. Okay. Then migrate them from on-premise to on-premise because we could actually pull the disks out and move them. If yeah, we could do it to, that way. Right. That attach would be an them, option. That would be one, one scenario. System, yeah. And then they're hybridized. They're in there. We're ready to go.
0: It just seems awfully complex, but well, yeah. In in this particular scenario, was actually hybrid on both sides already. Yeah. Well, but that makes it easier well, like, because I can hybridize. You move them down, cloud yeah. to on premise It's possible. Then replicate. It's definitely possible, but I think you still run into that same thing if you've got mail flow going through the Office 365 tenant. So I don't get too much into it, but <laughs> what I've been what I what I have been researching just to make things easier is I've been researching third party migration tools that help bridge this gap. So they have a mail gateway. They have a free busy, a service that sits right. in between, and they'll they'll manage, you know, the free busy lookups, the availability lookups. They have a GAL sync, so no, they'll synchronize the GAL. That sounds
1: like a great guest for our podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is to find one of those groups, bring them in, and have them talk about how they're solving that. Problem. And you know, we've talked about this. I think we talked about it last time. But I'm really anxious to see what Microsoft's going to do. It's on the roadmap, but I'm anxious to see what they're going to do with the shared namespace scenario. In Office 365, because once we yeah. can do a shared namespace across two tenants, that opens up a whole wealth. Oh, of look, I, I had a client who was grilling me on that today from a SharePoint standpoint mm-hmm.
1: because their on-premise SharePoint environments they were two different domains, two different companies, but they had a they had a full trust relationship between the two. Yeah, and therefore they could just add email addresses to one of the tenants and let the other company in and see it. Yeah. Well, now they're both in Office 365, and they're like, well, we, why can't we do that? Why can't we do it? And yeah. I'm like, well, you can. It's called guest access. Well, we don't like that.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wish it was different, but for Just right you now- Just use shareable links, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but for right now, <laughs> this is the way you do it. So, so how fun. about you? What have you been up to? Well, I have been having a lot of fun Playing around with the Security and Compliance Center in mm-hmm. Office 365.
0: I love the Security Compliance
1: Center. Well, I, I I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, <laughs> Depending the, on what you're doing. The yeah. hate comes from when it doesn't work, yeah. and it makes me look bad when I'm sitting in front of a customer. And as an example, I turned on audit logging. Okay. 24 hours right. later, so by default. Right. 24 hours hours later, Microsoft says audit log stuff will start appearing. Yeah and it took it a week before yeah. things started appearing and the customer was kind of going, hey, if you can't get this to work and you're the expert, how, how can we have any trust yeah. that this stuff's actually gonna work? How do I know that these audit events are ever gonna show up? And so, yeah, our, our next step is we're gonna take those audit events and we're gonna load them into Splunk because that they wanna use Splunk as their thing. And you know what? They're 100% right. Yeah, If I go and do something and it doesn't work, especially in the cloud where I can't go to the server, I can't go yeah. behind the scenes, I'm at the mercy of the service that Microsoft has provided. Yeah. And when they don't do what they say they're going to do, it. It hurts their credibility. Yeah, it does. And it, and it, it destroys your trust
0: in their product. Yeah. Well, in the audit log, right, that's just a more or less an interface for you to view the activity log that's under exactly. this. The, so this is not rocket science. Plugging directly into the API, you'll probably get better results So, with like a Splunk or something like that. Well, and... and but there still are delays I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount that there are delays I mean I completely agree with you it's it's hard being in that that, that situation.
1: eventually I just kept doing it and refreshing it and I had a terrible ticket with Microsoft and it started working at one point well somebody pressed a button on the back end <laughs> yeah, yes or it falls into the whole concept of you know uh, the, the there's an old joke one of the this is the shorter version of the IT joke where the person calls in for tech support and says, you know, my computer's not working properly. And they say, I want you to close and reopen all your windows. And the person says, okay. And then the phone gets put down and he hears, ka kachunk, ka-ching. Ka-ching, <laughs> ka-chunk, ka kachunk." ka ka Okay, I've closed and opened all my windows. How is that going to help my computer?
0: Right. <laughs> Reach around and find the power cord. Oh, the lights are on. <laughs> the power's out. I still. I think uh, my favorite of all of those is the. I really love the automated cup holder
1: you gave in my computer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <That> CD. <laughs> awesome. All right. So you said you had some. You were having some issues that clients were talking about that uh, you wanted to
0: bring up. Yeah. So just the the whole you know just labeling you know okay. uh, you know kind of kind of that concept of labeling and I guess really what I want to know is how. Customers are asking, how do I deal with business documents in okay. Office 365? So if I take business documents, I think about things like I have uh, performance reviews. I have, in, in our yep. business, we have performance yep. reviews. We have a statement of work, which is a contract. Right. Uh, we have strategic documents. Yes. Uh, we probably don't want other competitors seeing. Yep. Uh, we, have we have docs. Client, we have client-sensitive information. A- absolutely. We have all, docs. All with,
1: deliverables are that.
0: Yep, yep. yep. exactly. And we have uh, docs with uh, personal you know, privacy information and yep. that sort of thing. Yep. So. I mean, how do we deal with those business documents? Well, I think that's a great question. And it's
1: changing and it's undergoing a lot of rapid change right now. And so we can kind of talk about where are we today and how that's different than when we used to be on premise and where we're going to be in about six months or less when Microsoft finishes executing the changes that they put in place. Okay. So I think the first thing we talk about is when we're talking about dealing with business documents, we have to focus in on the concept of, I have to be able to classify my data. Now, in the SharePoint world, we've always called that taxonomy. Taxonomy, taxonomy. is about classification, right? Okay. And inside of SharePoint, we have a lot of very advanced tools to allow us to classify documents. Okay? Okay. As an example, I can use something called a content type. A content type is simply a classification of document, and it lets me define what metadata fields are part of it. It lets me define- retention. So you're not having to recreate those over and exactly over. Exactly, right. And I can use it everywhere in my farm. Yeah, that makes right? sense. I can have a, a retention policy or policies associated with that that content type, workflows. Um, I can have all kind, and I can treat all the documents that have that, that particular retention policy the same, which is really, really useful. As an example, I could create a contract as a yeah. as a as a content type. And I would always know that it has a vendor and a start date and an effective date and an end date and a status, that kind of information. And yeah. that I am going to make sure that document is gonna be kept until three years after the termination date.
0: Yeah. That based on example. what yeah, based on the, based the on all
1: that metadata. Yeah. Based on the type of the it. problem with that on-premise, it works fine, right? The problem is when we get out to the cloud, we now know we have, we have more than just SharePoint. We also have OneDrive for Business. OneDrive for Business. We also have email. We and also have teams. Online. We mm-hmm. have groups. We have all these tools with All documents. these
0: silos of documents exactly. and data. And,
1: and content types were something that you had to deploy to each site collection okay. to make sure that they could be used. So what Microsoft has done in the cloud is they've created the concept of the Advanced Data Governance Label. Right, so that's called an Office 365 label. Right, right. and you get to it through the Security and Compliance Center, which means Global Administrator or someone who is a Compliance Administrator, which which every Global Administrator is, okay? They can go in and actually create these labels. So these labels serve three purposes. The first purpose they serve is I can take any email, any document, no matter where it resides, SharePoint, Teams, Groups, OneDrive, Yammer, now because Yammer is creating O365 groups, no matter where it happens to be, I can create a label and publish it. Mm -hmm. So an administrator creates a label and publishes it, and then anybody can apply that label to any document or email any place in O365. That's really cool. So from a classification standpoint, I could say this is an HR document. This is a contract. This is a status report. Okay? Yeah. The starting point, that's all it does. Okay. I just can label it. And that classification in and of itself can be very valuable, especially when I'm talking about some controls I can use on that, which I'll mention okay. in a second. However, the advanced data governance label also can do two other things. The first thing it can do is it can actually enforce a retention policy. Okay. From the label. So if I, if I don't have any retention policies in my organization, I can create a label that says this is a contract and I want to keep it for three years. When I apply that label, I can say that I want this to apply a retention policy, which means that even if that document gets deleted, it's not really
0: deleted. not really deleted. It's, it's kept... And well, the a, same thing with email too. Same with yeah. email,
1: right? Yeah. So documents, emails, interchangeable in this case. Yeah. So I can go out there and apply a label. That label would then have a retention policy saying even if this thing gets deleted, don't actually let it go away, which means I can use e-discovery to go find it. In addition, that label inside of in addition to that retention, I can also say at the end of that retention period, I could delete the content,
0: delete the content.
1: I could ask if we want to delete the content or I could do nothing. Now, the other things I can do with that label around retention is I could not retain it, meaning if somebody deletes it, it goes away, but I could say three years after its last modified date, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Okay? So I can just, I can just cause a label to make something go away. Yeah. And then the, the last thing that label can do is do what's called recordization. Okay. okay. So a lot of times we think of business documents, but what they actually are are business records. And the difference between a business document and a business record is a business document is a living, breathing thing that can change. So you and I have been working on a deliverable for one of our clients. Right. That document's going through a lot of revisions.
0: It is. Right.
1: It's a it's a business document. It has a classification, but it's it's being changed all the time. Eventually, we're going to give that document to the customer. The customer is going to accept that document. At which point, it becomes a record. It's a deliverable. Right. Yeah. And from that point on. That document shouldn't be modified anymore. Okay. Interesting. That's what recordization is about. Now, back in the old day on SharePoint Online, we had the concept of a record center, and we could we could put documents in the record center, and they would never be deleted until a disposition workflow did, and they couldn't be modified. Applying a record label inside of Office 365 does similar things. The document can no longer be edited. Very interesting.
0: So you have have to create a PDF PDF out of it. Exactly. You
1: don't have to create a PDF. I can take the PowerPoint. I can take the Word document or the Excel workbook and I can assign a record label to it and then no one will be able to edit that document. Slight caveat, they can edit the metadata Okay. You can probably see where I'm going with this. They can change the label? The label is metadata, and oh they can change the label, which wow. would mean the document would now be editable. <laughs> so it's not perfect.
0: It's not perfect, Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> But it does take us, it does allow us to have certain things. And so here's an example of something we did for a client recently. Somebody puts a label on the document that makes it a record, okay? okay. We then kick a flow off. That says, "Oh, this re- this in- this has this particular uh, label on it. I'm going to move a copy of that to a document library someplace else. Okay, and, and then gonna, that'll be locked and I then know. that will be locked down, and no one will have access yeah. to it. Oh, and by it's the so way, it's much easier to do that stuff now And too. you can't recordize emails yet." Yeah, that, that will come eventually, but right now only documents can be recognized.
0: When it's interesting how you see a lot of these SharePoint concepts that we've had for a long time start to make their way into Exchange. We're starting well, to see that in email. that's awesome because yeah. it's also going the other way. That's right. And so a thing that we've had
1: in Exchange forever has been data loss prevention, mm-hmm. right? That ability to say, hey, before this email gets sent, is there anything in this email that I don't want going outside my organization, right? Yeah. That's been around for Exchange for a very long time. Well, now, using data governance labels and the fact that DLP applies to everything in Office 365, right. well, I can now use advanced data governance labels as part of my DLP policy. So if I have a policy that, uh, I have a label, for example, that says that this is a contract. Well, I could write a DLP policy that says contracts are not allowed to be sent outside the organization yeah. without a business reason. Yep. Okay. Now maybe that's not a great example, but what if it what if it had HIPAA information inside of it? Sure, yeah. What we if want it had going. account numbers inside of it? Right. That's what we use DLP for, and I can now use a data governance label that gets assigned to that document as one of my criteria in my DLP. Now, if you have EMS E3 or you've bought Azure Information Protection as standalone, the standalone, right? We have a different kind of labeling system. And that label is different, but it, it's also in some ways more powerful because I can do things like encrypt the document automatically, mm-hmm. I can put headers and footers in the document, I can put um, watermarks in the document, all of those kinds of things. That's better than the data governance label, but right now, they exist completely separate completely separate. But... On the roadmap, supposed to be by the end of this calendar year 2018, yeah. synchronization. We're gonna synchronize this so that theoretically I'll be able to take that AIP label yeah. and use it as part of a DLP policy as an example or a retention yeah. policy. We don't know exactly what that's gonna look like because sure. Microsoft hasn't actually come out and said. My guess is just like I can use an advanced data governance label inside of a DLP policy. I will simply be able to use an AIP label yeah. inside of a DLP company. We've had
0: to treat those separately in the past. We've yeah. seen so Office 365 labels and AIP and what DLP's doing and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, For example, if there's an AIP encrypted document somewhere in SharePoint, DLP can't really open it and know if there's any information correct. there. So they're starting to correct that sort of thing too. So I think once these two converge, it's going to be very powerful. Yeah, which
1: reminds me, we need to talk about eDiscovery sometime and some of the cool stuff that's happening yeah. inside of there. All right, so we've talked about the fact that we can classify documents. Classify documents? Labels and even AIP labels. We've talked about how we can control access to those documents using DLP Mm -hmm. and AIP, right? And this this doesn't even get into the whole inherent security of a OneDrive or of a SharePoint site or something like that. This is additional because the problem with having security of, say, a, a SharePoint site is, how do I help it if somebody extracts that document from that SharePoint site puts it on a thumb drive and then gives it to somebody else, right? The security is in the repository not with the document. AIP labels and DLP policies would prevent that document from being exported. Or in, it'll be encrypted and secured as yeah. it leaves the organization. So that's when it's going
0: to call home and say, exactly. hey, what, what are my permissions? Oh, the
1: coolest thing about AIP is the console that you get. You can go look at all the documents that you've shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It will show you how many times it's been opened, who's opened it, who's opened their it? IP address, where that is in the world. Yeah. And I can revoke access yep. to people from that screen. And we're empowered. It's got a kill me. switch, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. So in addition to being able to time box it, I could yeah. simply go, oh, wait. Why is this being open from Djibouti yeah. or someplace like that or Antarctica? I'm going to go ahead and, and revoke access to that particular user. And then that person just
0: has a bunch of encrypted bits that they can't open any longer. DLP on the SharePoint side of things is actually when the data is at rest, right? It's running every 15 right. minutes or so in the background. That's kind of how to understand DLP in these different places that we use DLP. Well, Exchange would be transport, right? As we go yes. across the transport. And that's what's really cool if you think about it because we have all these silos, these back-end systems that we had to do all this DLP configuration mm-hmm. and everything. And now you do it in one spot. That's exactly right. You do it right. in one spot, and it goes down into the different workloads, and it configures that for you. I think it's spectacular. I, I, I really agree with you. There are I love DLP. We didn't really have it in SharePoint
1: before on-premise, and now we do, which is really awesome. I love the labeling concept, which is mm-hmm. while it's not as robust as the taxonomy and content types that we have in SharePoint, the fact that I don't have to deploy those everywhere, they're automatically there everywhere in my tenant is awesome. The fact that they'll work on email as well as on documents is awesome. Yeah. You know, This is a great world we live in yeah. where Microsoft is making our lives so much easier from an administrative standpoint and from a security compliance standpoint, it really does work, right? Yeah. The, the, there are some things you have to understand. So you mentioned, for example, that uh, you have to wait about 15 minutes for the DLP policy to kick mm-hmm. in. The reason for that is Microsoft is leveraging their search technology to, do to make it work. And so yeah. what happens is when I load a document into SharePoint, um, or into OneDrive, until the crawl comes through...
0: it gets indexed. And,
1: and it gets indexed, yeah. it's not going to apply a DLP policy on top of it, right? Then once it does, it will apply that DLP policy based on what it saw inside the document, which leads to a very interesting place of where DLP and AIP start to have problems with each other. Yeah. If I use AIP to encrypt documents... Mm-hmm. The search engine can't look inside the can't document inside because the document. it can't decrypt the document. That's right. Okay. All it can do is look at the metadata about the document. So I'm hoping that once I've got that ability to actually use AIP labels in my DLP, I can instead of worrying about hey, are these pieces of information like account numbers inside the document? Yeah. What I worry about today is somebody could encrypt a document with AIP, email it outside my organization, and DLP. That's true. That's a way to get around it. Yeah. Right. But in the future. I would be able to use those AIP labels and say, hey, if anybody's got an encrypted document that they're trying to mail outside the organization, I'm gonna log it. And I may
0: require a business justification and approval of a manager before yeah, I let that document idea. leave yeah. leave the organization. Well, and that's I think why we reserve AIP for those most sensitive types of information.
1: Yeah, actually, one of the there, there's two funny stories. We talked last episode about conditional access. Yeah, and how we were I was testing it one time and we turned on. But you can
0: use AIP in them. which you
1: can. Oh, yeah. oh, that's cool! I didn't know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with conditional access, uh, we, we talked about how uh, one of our a couple of our consultants here in uh, at Catapult were testing their their tenant and they set it up to where you had to be in denver to access the system right <laughs> and then they both were not in denver they both were and they good. couldn't get in <laughs> right
0: um so set up your policy administration up, yeah. so
1: in the same sense when you actually create aip labels with the e5 you can auto encrypt documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be careful about that because there are ramifications to encrypting a whole bunch of documents inside your, your tenant. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So just just be aware that be aware while, it's, it. while it's a great idea to auto encrypt W-2s yeah. or I-9s or, or, or HR documents or whatever, you might end up encrypting a bunch of stuff and then you won't be able to use DLP against it. It won't be able
0: to find it via search those kinds of things. But well, what a great story Microsoft's building around data coverage. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's amazing.
1: Look, you compare this to where we were five years ago. Five years ago, yeah. So so 2013 was when... Heck, in the last two years. Well, well Exchange 2013 came out, SharePoint 2013, Office 2013. And when those came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is most, this is the best versions of these software ever. Yeah. And now I look back on
0: that and I go, man, compared no. to what I have
1: now this is it, so much better well, and the vision
0: is completely different because now all these workloads are working together when, it's, when it's we amazing. went out, when we went out to demo 2013 to clients
1: I had to get a new laptop with an i7 two hard drives <laughs> two hard drives I even had it was 13 pounds I had a 13 I had a 32 gigs um, SD card that I used as well
0: oh my gosh. and it had
1: 32 gigs of RAM mm-hmm. in it and I to run the initial uh, farm for SharePoint 2013 to go out and do demos was eight virtual machines. Oh my gosh. That required 48 gigs of RAM. And so when Hyper-V spun up, it had to overcommit memory. I ran the AD controller off of the SD card. I had the, the VM split across the multiple hard drives, 5,400 RPM hard drives, right? So it was very, it was pretty slow. I kid you not, I would, bo- I would boot this thing up and it would take, I would get average disk seek times in the 16 to 20,000 milliseconds. Jeez. And, and you would boot everything up. You'd walk away. You'd come about an, about an hour, hour and a half later, and the system work would Flames would be coming out of the well, laptop. No, it would work fine at that point in time, but <laughs> heaven forbid that you sleep your laptop. Oh, no. Yeah, no. You were another 45 minutes from having yeah. anything work again. It was a nightmare. And then the cloud came out. Yeah, they started yeah. using the O365. Yeah, seven.
0: everything is O365. And then if I have any on-premises components, I use Azure yeah. infra- Infrastructure as a Service. And I stand them up out there. It's, it's spectacular. I have right. this little tiny laptop, and I don't need all that stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I love the little tiny laptops.
1: So I understand. So so at the end of our show, I understand that you got something that I have no idea what it is or what it does, but it sounded really cool because it was the boss. The boss. So
0: what'd you get? <laughs> yeah, it's actually made by boss. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm in a cover band here in San Antonio named The Hitman. The Hitman. We actually renamed the band recently to The Hitman 8.0. So it's <laughs> an eighth iteration of it, but we're also doing 80s music. So. Oh, even better. And shout out to my wife for coming up with that name, by the way. Um, but one of the things that Wait, I've, I've always you, done... Do you guys do human lead covers? human league yeah don't you want me baby uh you know what uh, there's there's a lot of one hit wonders out of the <laughs> <laughs> there there's several they on the were, list but we can definitely add that
1: one wonder.
0: they were, oh, okay, <laughs> were two hit wonder they were they were they're exception <laughs> to the rule <laughs> i've never had any kind of i'm a singer Right. So the only thing that I've really ever had is a, is a rhythm guitar. I mean, I just play mm-hmm. rhythm guitar. You know, I don't really play that very well. So I've never had guitar pedals. I've never had okay. any kind of pedals or anything in front of me. Uh, any kind of process or anything like that. Well, I got a vocal processor. Okay. And what that allows me to do is it allows me to do some pitch correction. Uh, okay. It makes it a little bit easier to sing sometimes. Uh, I don't like using it a lot because it almost sounds almost sounds processed, right? So this is like auto tune. It's, sort of, sort of, sort of. Okay. Sort of yeah. I know what auto tune is. So I yeah.
1: understand it's. It, so this is doing some processing yeah. on your singing as you're singing. That's
0: right. So it, it'll notice that hey, I blip down or whatever, so it'll it'll correct that. Okay. Um, some of the auto tuners actually plug in line to the music that's playing, like the guitar mm-hmm. plugs in through it, and it adjusts your voice to the guitar. Yeah, it's yeah, so something kind of like that. That's kind of cheating, right? Yeah, it's there, a little bit cheating. Opinion. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I can carry a tune, right? Let's just say so, that. So I mean, this we thing
1: that you've got, just as an ass- I mean, just to kind of level set, is this like a, a $100 thing or a $1,000 thing or a multi-thousand dollar thing?
0: No, not at all. Actually, the technology's gotten so good, you know, especially on the digital side of uh-huh. things. It's it's really a $275 oh <laughs> pedal, I'm, I'm, and it's got two pedals on it, uh-huh. but it does harmonies. Oh, really? So I can actually program harmonies. I can program the key of the harmony. So me and the guitar player are the only two singers in the band so if we uh-huh. ever get to having to do four part harmonies yeah I've got two parts I can do on this he's good enough to figure out the third the fourth part so we can do four part harmonies with a vocal pedal people just love the sound See, of it I'm
1: going to have to get one of these for home for when I play rock band
0: There you go right so so when I'm playing rock you might mess band up the or, game I don't know <laughs> or,
1: or, or American Idol or something like that and I have to hit the little yeah. the little things yeah Right. I'll bring it in next time, and we'll plug it in. I'll yeah, show you how exactly, it works. That sounds, that'd be cool. I could be talking in harmony. That would that's be right. really kind of cool. All right, so let me tell you what you I You always I, talk in harmony. Uh, dude. I, you know, actually, I had somebody tell me one time that I naturally, I, I can't sing uh, parts. So even though I'm, a, I'm kind of a tenor, I'm a, kind of a, I, I can't sing. You have like a great a, voice. Yeah. Well, I can't sing like what a tenor line would sing because they sing too high for me. Yeah. So I always See, that's end me. singing like a third or two thirds off where somebody's supposed to be, and I do it just naturally without even thinking. Yeah, that's about where it. your voice goes. Yeah. Where my voice goes. My, the only problem with it is I have a tendency to swap keys at various yeah. points during, the, during the song because I'm just I'm naturally just adjusting to whatever they're singing. Yeah. Uh, so let me tell you what I did this past yeah. weekend. What do you got? Uh, it was my wife's birthday, and we went out and saw Crazy Rich Asians, which is a hilarious movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend that you go out and see this movie. It's a rom-com, so you will get big points with your significant other for taking them out. To go see this movie right whether male or female doesn't really much matter yeah it is funny i've heard really it good is, things about it is it is very well done it's predictable yeah sure whatever but it's it's act the cultural aspects of getting a glimpse into singapore culture and chinese culture mm-hmm. is really fascinating to me and it was just and the acting is top notch um it, it just it's, it's really well done michelle yo is kind of the matriarch of the family and she's a fantastic actress. Yeah. Constant Wu from Fresh off the Boat plays the main ingenue character. Okay. The the main male character. This is like his his first ever role. Really? It's like he's like an actor but he's never done any any film and he's and, holding he, his own among all the other Yeah, and, he's, and he did a great job. And yeah. It's it's just fun and I tell you you look at this and you're just like I just can't imagine how people have that much money. Yeah. and that I mean, just it blows your mind uh, how how rich some people are yeah. in the world. And they just cool. spend it like nothing, and they spend it like nothing. So, yeah. go see Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, it's it's worth. I it. need to it's take fun. the life to You'll see enjoy it. Enjoy it, and don't forget we're on iTunes. You're on iTunes. Go out and look up the Cloud Whisperers on iTunes. Subscribe, leave a review, yeah. rate us. I'll do something special for the first person that reviews <laughs> us on iTunes. I don't know what that is yet. It depends on how good a review you leave.
0: How about an iTunes gift card?
1: I might give you an iTunes <laughs> gift card. We, we might bring you in as our first guest yeah. in a podcast. Yeah. I don't know. But, but you know, leave a review. Let us know what you like or don't like. like if you don't like, email us directly. <laughs> yeah. If you do like, post it on iTunes. Yeah, post it on iTunes. If you're going to leave a, leave a bad review, don't.
0: Email us instead. Email us instead. Okay. <laughs> Well, and at least get out there and let us know what you like, you know, yeah, and, and, and what, what you want to hear. What you want to hear. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah, That's we, exactly right. We we were sitting here before this even started trying to think, hey, what are we going to talk about today? You know, there's all kinds of topics yeah. that we can talk about, but we'd like to hear what you want to hear. That's right. All right well, until next time. Until right. next time. Thank You'll you, have David. fun. Let's whisper some clouds. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you.